and we're back. Week off, had to take a week off. Episode 64, The State of the Universe. My name's Brendan. Your name is whatever your name is. I don't know your name, but welcome to the show. Appreciate you tuning in. I had to take last week off. Had to. I like to upload an episode every week. Sometimes a week comes by, I can't upload. Want to know why? I'm full. You know that feeling when, you, when you're six and you order chicken nuggets and you say, I don't want any sauce because you don't eat sauce when you're six? No one eats sauce when they're six. If you do, lunatic. You're a crazy person. You don't eat sauce on your chicken nuggets until you're at least 12, maybe? You start with the sweet and sour. You ease into it. You get sweet and sour. Maybe some honey. You ease into it. You don't start hitting the buffaloes or the barbecues until you're 15. And by the time you're 16, 17, 18? You've gone completely wild with the chicken. You start eating barbecue grilled chicken, rotisserie chicken. You go wild, but when you're six, you only eat one chicken, chicken nuggets, no sauce, nothing on them. That's just how it is, okay? So, I feel, last week, like I was six years old, I ordered a 10-piece chicken nugget at McDonald's, and you know that feeling when you can't eat? You're just full, man. When you're six, you're always full and you're always hungry. But you're just not the right one at the right time. So you're sitting there at McDonald's, and your parents are telling you, Brendan, Eat the damn chicken nuggets or you ain't getting up. First off, what are you going to do? Stay at McDonald's all night? You didn't think that one through. Second off, child abuse. Third off, I can't eat them too full. I can't eat them too full. So that's how I was last week with my life. I had too much shit going on. Couldn't upload. Couldn't do it. Could barely do it this week, but here we are. Here we are. We're doing it. So today, we're going to talk about Hawaii. You might say, Brandon, we talking about Hawaii. Why are we talking about Hawaii? What's going on in Hawaii? Tsunami, earthquake, volcano, what's happening in Hawaii? No. But, but, one of the biggest stories, one of the most mainstream stories in all of science, in all of 2019, in fact, probably in the last decade, is occurring in Hawaii right now. And it is that on top of the world's tallest mountain, Mauna Kea. Now you might say, Brendan, Mount Everest is the world's tallest mountain. It's not, okay? Depends how you measure it. If you measure it from the bottom of the mountain to the top of the mountain, Mauna Kea in Hawaii, tallest mountain in the world. Because most of Mauna Kea is underwater. But if you measure from the base to the top, tallest mountain in the world, larger than Mount Everest. So, tallest mountain in the world, Something important is happening on it. Astronomers have been building telescopes on Mauna Kea since 1960. But now we're in a new era of telescopes. We're in the era of extremely large telescopes, ELTs as they call them. And these things, as the name suggests, are big. In the case of the 30 meter telescope, which is to be constructed on top of Mauna Kea, we're talking about a telescope that will be uh, 18 stories high, 180 feet high, literally an apartment complex, the size of like a medium apartment complex. And we're building it on top of the world's tallest mountain. But the native Hawaiians are saying, halt, who goes there? Slow it down, cool down, stop. Okay, this telescope got approved to be built in 2009 on the site on top of Mauna Kea. But the native Hawaiians are saying, no, 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 we don't want a building on top of the most sacred place in our culture. So there's been mass protests, there's been Supreme Court decisions, there's been blockades, there's been all of that happening over the last decade, and still, the groundwork has not been laid for the telescope. And so it's making anyone, everyone question, do we build this thing? Where's the resolution? Where do we find common ground? These people find that this mountain is their most sacred thing. Astronomers say, but wait, mountaintops are sacred for us too. We need mountaintops in order to do our jobs. And if you don't know why we need mountaintops, listen to the episode I tell you. Okay, mountaintops are important for astronomers. And, and some could say they're sacred for astronomers. Okay, so, so there's no better person to help us explore this idea. This idea of spirituality versus science, or spirituality and science, than the great Bernie Taylor, Bernie Taylor is an author, an expert in prehistoric, indigenous, and ancient peoples and cultures. He's an expert in all of it, and he gives the perspective of the native Hawaiians. Why do they find this mountain to be so sacred? And more importantly, 
And what tends to come up is why do cultures all over the world find mountaintops to be sacred? And how do we bridge the gap between spirituality and science and come to a resolution? That's the question. That's the question I pose. Hope you enjoy the episode. F- f- check us out on YouTube. Subscribe. Like the videos. Comment. Tell me what you think about the topic, about the conclusion, about the conversation. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter. Go to thestateoftheuniverse.com for all those links. Rate us, review us on Apple Podcasts. We're still giving away two copies of Losing the Nobel Prize. We have a few held back. Okay? We've gave away some. We're going to give away more. But I need you guys to go to thestateoftheuniverse.com or click the link below and enter to win the book. You just got to do a few, like one thing. It's easy. It'll take you two seconds. Go do it. You have a shot at the book. Go do it and you have a shot at the book. That's it. That's all there is. Okay? Check it out. seeing it everywhere it's everywhere everyone's talking about 30 meter telescope in fact the thing that really um you know piqued my interest is i don't like listening to other scientists on podcasts it's not my thing like i'll subscribe to podcasts may i'll listen to some episodes of joe rogan experience the ones with the scientists i tend to not like i don't know what it is it's like the that show or other podcasts are where i go to sort of get away from the science and and get more in tune with other aspects of of my interests um but I was listening to Neil deGrasse Tyson on there, and then they had a lengthy conversation about the 30-meter telescope. And I was thinking, man, this is maybe a bigger deal than I'm giving you credit for. And so I yeah, think this you, is the big one. Yeah, I think now, you, now let me jump in there, yeah. Brendan. I do listen to scientists, and I've listened to every one of your podcast episodes. Mm-hmm. So there is value in listening to scientists on podcasts. There is, there is some, <laughs> but I listen to scientists all day. Right, okay. that's the difference. Is I spend 12 hours a day listening to these fools. I don't want to listen to them when I come home, too. You know, so, um, yeah, th- there's benefit, of course. Uh, but, you know, sometimes I get too much science in my ears. I got to take a, I got to get something else. I got to get comedy or sports or I just got to get a, I got to compartmentalize. I can't have science flowing into my brain 24-7. I'll go crazy. So the 30-meter the telescope. First, Bernie, we should probably talk about what it is. So, um... Allow me to, to, to tell you what it is and, and you ask me questions or interview me if you, if there's any confusion. We'll, we'll just go over the 30 meter telescope. So the 30 meter telescope is in essence, uh, the first of its kind in, in what are going to be called, which we will probably see a lot of in the future, extremely large telescopes, huge telescopes. Um, you're talking about, you know, diameters that are, uh, you know, fractions of a football field. And the 30-meter telescope in particular is going to be the biggest telescope in the world when it's built, assuming it gets built before the European um, telescope that, that will rival it, and that's being built in Chile. Now, um, these telescopes, these extremely large telescopes, have been theorized for decades. Since the 1980s, there have been people saying, we need to build this telescope, we need to build a telescope like this, we need to make it really big, we need to make really big mirrors, etc., etc. And there was always engineering problems that that came along with that. Like, how do you make a really big mirror, right? That's a big problem. Where do you put the thing? How do you transport the materials? As you might imagine, you know, building a, this, this telescope is going to be built. Well, maybe it's going to be built. We'll talk about that. But assuming it's going to be built, if it is built on top of Mauna Kea, which is, is the, the tallest volcano in the world, in Hawaii, um, it, some would say it's the tallest mountain in the world. If, if you don't measure from sea level, but you measure from the bottom of the mountain, which in the case of Mauna Kea is, is very, very deep below the surface of the ocean. If you measure from the bottom of the mountain to the top, it's the tallest mountain in the world. Okay. Measured from sea level, it's not, but, but, you know, anyway, I digress. So they, they've wanted to build this thing for a long time and they've chosen Mauna Kea as the place to build it. And we, and we can talk about why they chose that in a second. Um, but but we finally got around to building. We finally got around to investing the money, $1.4 billion, spread across tons of institutions, uh, tons of governments from Japan, India, the United States, to institutions like Caltech, et cetera, et cetera, to, to put forth the money to build this thing so that we can open up a new paradigm in observational astronomy. You know, um, and, uh, we could see things that we otherwise would never be able to see with the telescopes we have today. Things like direct imaging of exoplanets, okay? Things like the regions around the black holes uh, that, that are near us, the black holes in other galaxies, the black hole at the center of our own galaxy. 
regions like that. We're talking about planet formation. We could actually take images of what planet, of, of how early solar systems are behaving in exquisite detail. And in order to do all of that, we need a big, big telescope. And the 30 meter telescope is that telescope. Okay. Now the natural question, Bernie, maybe the question that you're thinking in your head is why Mauna Kea? Why are we, you know, drudging all these materials to an island in the middle of the Pacific Ocean and saying, okay, let's build on top of this mountain? Um, and, and that's an excellent, an, an excellent thing that we should talk about next. Is there anything about the 30 meter telescope that you think I should cover in more detail before we continue down this path? Well, we're going to, we're going to loop back to your comment about being the tallest mountain in the world. Cause I think that's the essence of this whole thing. Mm-hmm. Even, even though it's that's counted uh, measured from at sea level, uh, the base of sea level, um, this tallest mountain of the world is the is the key to this whole thing. And where the Mauna Kea um, fight has been science versus spirituality. Right. And so it's this is about mountains. There, there's there's places all over the Hawaiian Islands that have spiritual bases and where mm-hmm. it has mythological origins. But and. And no one's fighting over those. You know, there's beaches and all this right. sort of stuff. They're fighting over this place. It's actually, it's also a continuation of battle that was previously on, um, at Haleakala on Maui, mm-hmm. where they're fighting over those telescopes. And so, um, but yeah, continue on and, um, go. So the question, so you're moving to the direction of why can't this be in other places? Yeah. So why Mauna Kea, right? This is a question I see a lot. Like, um, from people in the, in the popular media, like, why, why do we even have this fight to begin with? Why don't we just pack up and go somewhere else and build the telescope? Well, the Europeans did that with the extremely large telescope, and that thing will probably be operating by like mid 2020s. Um, and they chose to build it in Chile at a, on top of a mountain, 3000 meters above sea level, um, very high. And there's a reason we ch- choose high places. Okay. There's a very particular reason we choose high places. And that has everything to do with the fact that, Bernie, when you walk outside at night and you look up, you, you live in Oregon, right? So oh, yep. you live in a beautiful location where there's hopefully not as many city lights as there is where I'm at. Um, I've well, been, I can look at and I can see a mountain right outside. I see Mount Hood right outside the window right now. I see. Where in Oregon are you? Port, uh, outside of Portland. I see. I went, I spent some time in Bend, Oregon. Mm-hmm. Around beautiful there. area. Beautiful area. Gorgeous. Fantastic. Um, thankfully, I was there on on you know uh, grant money, or else I would never have been able to afford it. We stayed at this beautiful resort for a conference, and it's incredible. It's a, there's something special to me. I don't know if you if if you agree with this, but there's something really special to me, and I'm lacking this in New York. Is when you can look out and you can see a mountain, and it has snow on the top. Yes. I don't know what it is about that, but it like connects to my spirit somehow. Like I look out and I see the damn mountain, and I can see it snow peaked. Like that changes mm-hmm. everything for me. That so this is what the, we're gonna get. We're gonna get to that point for, after you get through the, the science. Mm-hmm. But that's yeah, what yeah. it's all I'm, about. I, I want to lay all it about out. That. Yes, <laughs> I want to lay it out so people can have a completely clear picture when we're talking yeah. about this. Is why tall mountains? Well, the reason we choose tall mountains is Bernie. The 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 aside, ignoring the aside, when you step outside and you and you look at the mountain and you look at the night sky, what do the stars do up above? Twinkle, Correct. right? Okay. Okay. They do, okay. do you agree? You look at stars, they twinkle? In Absolutely. Fact, the way in which you can differentiate a star and a planet in the night sky is the, the, the twinkling. Planets, they tend not to twinkle. The reason being is they're so much closer. Um, they, they are just, the light coming from them is much more plentiful than the light coming from stars. And so the atmosphere tends not to disturb the light as much. So the, the reason the stars twinkle has nothing to do with the star itself. It has everything to do with the fact that the Earth has an atmosphere and that the atmosphere is turbulent. There's a bunch of air sloshing around in the atmosphere. And as light travels through that air, the light gets sloshed around too. And it gives a twinkling effect. Okay? So one of the ways in which you can can avoid the twinkling is to get out of the atmosphere. Okay? Now you could do that feasibly by sending a telescope to space, which we've done. And then you have no twinkling caused by the atmosphere. You're, you're good to go. But that, that's kind of expensive. And it's hard to build really big telescopes in space. Okay? But there's another reason. Another reason is that we, although the atmosphere is bad for our observations and it makes stars twinkle and it makes telescope images look ugly and it, it, it does all sorts of bad stuff, it also does tons of good. Tons of good because it blocks most of the radiation coming to us. Okay, now that is good for life. It's not good for science. It's really good for life. 
It's a good thing that the atmosphere, the uh, the oxygen in the atmosphere blocks almost all the gamma rays and x-rays and harmful ultraviolet radiation. You don't want that stuff hitting you. You don't, okay? That's, that's no, no bueno, no good. You wouldn't be here if it was for that. So the ozone in the atmosphere is great. Now the water vapor, there's also a lot of water vapor. The water vapor is particularly prob- problematic for astronomy because it tends to block a lot of the infrared and microwave radiation, okay? And now the infrared radiation is very important for astronomy because that's where a lot of the most important things happen is in the infrared because anything that has some temperature to it, Bernie, emits energy in the infrared, okay? We're talking about the hot regions around the center of black holes, not the really hot regions because those will emit more in the x-rays, but just, you know, the warm regions or the warm regions where planet formation is happening. You're getting a lot of visible and infrared light coming from us, coming to us from that, that location. We're talking about planets, Okay, if you go out with an infrared telescope and you look at Jupiter, you will see it glowing, glowing in the infrared. Okay, now, and also in the radio. So it it is very important that we observe in the infrared because it, it can show us much more about the universe than, say, visible light can. It can teach us a lot, but we need to somehow figure out a way to get the infrared light before it gets extinct. Okay, because the water vapor in the atmosphere tends to scatter it all around, absorb it, scatter it. We can't see it. It doesn't come into our telescopes because en route to us, the water vapor is doing a bunch of funky things to it. So the way in which we can uh, avoid that, Bernie, is by getting on a tall mountain above all the water vapor. That's where that's why Mauna Kea is important, because Mauna Kea is sitting at 4000 meters above sea level. Now, that is over a thousand meters above the European telescope that's being built at the same time and you now there is uh, another site that the u.s has or that we have picked out to build um this this telescope the 30 meter telescope and it's in spain in the canary islands and that if we were to build it there we would be losing 1700 meters in atmospheric uh extinction okay so we want to get as high as we can if we want to do this right and as high as we can means the tallest mountain in the world, it means Mauna Kea. So that's the science behind it, Bernie. Okay, so now, the tallest mountain is really important for astronomy. But from what you're saying, the tallest mountain is also really important for spirituality. Yes, and as you've uh, read a little bit of my stuff, you've listened to my podcast, I'm not a spiritual person. Um, I'm more scientifically oriented. But I look at the perspectives of hunter-gatherer peoples. Indigenous peoples. And around the world, we have this concept, this archetype of the continent. I've, I've you know, seen your, your Facebook page and you climb mm-hmm. mountains. Yep. Um, and you take pictures on top of the mountain. And as I said, all the houses where I live, we can actually see Mount Hood. Right. I'm also a mountain, mountain biker. And a few years back, there's a movement or initiative to have lift access mountain biking on Mount Hood so people can mount to take this, the mountain bikes up the ski lifts and come down. And this is all going to be below the timber line, so you wouldn't even wouldn't be affect the people's view of the top of the mountain. Every group that was not a mountain biker came out against that in the Portland area because it was going to destroy their idea of the mountain, mm-hmm. this cosmic mountain. And if we go around the world... Mount Everest was, is considered by the Tibetans to be a boat of the gods. Um, Mount Fuji is the sacred mountain of the Japanese. Uh, um, Moses climbed Mount Sinai to re- receive the Ten Commandments. Hercules in mythology climbed Mount Atlas, the tallest mountain in Western North Africa. Um, actually, North Africa. Um, and Mount Olympus was uh, where the Olympias, Olympians held, and Jesus was transfigured on Mount Tabor. You can go around the world, and you can find... Wherever there's a a big mountain, a tall mountain, you will find a myth where the shaman or the hero or the spiritual leader climbed. Mm -hmm. I'll I'll provide some anecdotal evidence because you brought brought up my hiking. I was hiking recently in the Catskills, the Catskill Mountains in New York. And um, one of the things that's interesting about the Catskills compared to other mountain ranges is that the peaks of the Catskills, they tend not to be in the Alpine region. They're Mm -hmm. only at about 4,000 feet. Mm-hmm. So they're not quite in the region where the trees begin to shrink and thus disappear. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the Adirondacks in northern New York are that way, and that's the beautiful pictures that you always see me upload. But I tend not to upload many Catskill pictures because you climb the peak, and we brought some friends with us who weren't familiar with this. You climb the peak, you get to the peak, and it says, you've made it to the peak, congratulations. But you look around you, and 
it's all a forest. And you wonder, hmm, there's no beautiful view here. And that's for a particular reason. And it's because when the Catskills were, were you know, designated to be a preserve, a, a, an, an area to be preserved many, many years ago, the people who, who pushed that legislation, the natives of the land, they said, listen, you're not allowed to clear the trees at the peak just to have a beautiful view. The peak is in some way a sacred place. So you right. can't cut down the, the trees so that once you get there, you can see all this beauty. You can't do that. And so the way that they actually got around that, Bernie, is, is all throughout the Catskills when you climb these peaks, what you'll find is that some of the peaks, some of the tops of the mountains, there's a fire tower that was built. Because they opted to build a fire tower to get you above the trees rather than to destroy the sacredness of the, the trees themselves and the land itself. So that's an, uh, you know, some New York anecdotal evidence along these lines. Well, that's actually a very good analogy because what you just described was um, native people making a deal with the government to um, allow usage of, the, of those peaks without affecting the habitat on top and the mm -hmm. sacredness on the top of those peaks. And that's the same question of Mauna Kea. It is exactly the same thing. So the, so the same, the same question that the you had in New York for the, for the, the Catskills and we had here in, in Oregon for um, Mount hood and people not wanting mountain biking um, below the, even below the timberline is the same thing. Mm -hmm. So the Japanese are one of the many um, contributors to this international consortium for the TM, for the um, uh, TMT. Can you imagine this telescope being on top of Mount Fuji? Let's let's say the environmental mm -hmm. conditions were correct, but you can drive most of the way up Mount right. Fuji. Mm -hmm. I, I have that, but you can, and so it's it's accessible like Mauna Kea. What would happen? What would the Japanese say if there was going to be this this huge telescope on top of their sacred mountain? I don't know Japanese culture well, but I assume they wouldn't wouldn't like it very much. <laughs> it wasn't going to happen. No, it yeah. wasn't exactly. And so you know, fighting with mountain biking on Mount Hood and in your area that you can't clear off the top of the uh, the Catskills, mm -hmm. take the trees off. You start thinking about this concept um, and w why you can have this these um, why Chile works is because they don't have an indigenous population that's that's fighting back. Um, the Canary right. Islands were we say they're off the coast of Spain, but they're, they were actually from the Guanches people who are in an ancient peoples who are now disappeared. And mm -hmm. th that was their cosmic mountains. Okay. Right. And so the, um, but the, the Hawaiians are, are, are remaining indigenous people, um, that consider themselves so have sovereign rights and sovereign, especially sovereign rights to their spiritual places. And, uh, so there's two mountains, of course, is, is Hayakawa and there's Mauna Kea on Maui and the Big Island. Mm -hmm. And uh, the University of Hire sort of, I don't want to say crept, but the, the telescope started small, right? Just like anything. Yes. Right? Back in 1960, built. I think they built the first one. It was like it was essentially like what people would buy as like a personal telescope these days. Exactly. Yeah. It's it started small, and um, of course, you know the. It starts small with the money too, and that the if you wanted to have a telescope on the on the on the, the tops of those two mountains, volcanoes, you paid a dollar per year. Mm -hmm. Good stuff, right? You know, in Trump world, it's like you know, it's the it's a great deal. It's bigly, right? Mm -hmm. I know, huge, huge, <laughs> it's huge, huge. Yeah, this yes. is, and uh, but as time went by, the telescopes started getting larger. They they, they started, started getting. Huge, getting yeah. hugely, bigly, yes. bigly, absolutely great. You know, the mm -hmm. greatest ever. And um, but the deals remain the same. And so, th so the backdrop of this whole thing was that the scientists were freeloading on mm -hmm. Hawaiian public lands, um, and the forward thinking of the TMT organization was that for the TMT, you would they would start off at three hundred thousand dollars, three hundred thousand dollars a year's rent and move it yeah. up to about a million dollars. Okay. Mm -hmm. And so and so they're moving because of the the um, the fight over this whole thing, the protests and the news, they've they've stepped up to pay more money for it. But of course from a sci the scientific perspective, this is all for the, the greater good, right? Um, but this but even, so they've they've stepped up with more money and they the they've offered um, the the state has offered money for or property for housing and for STEM um, mm -hmm. programs and the schools and so forth, but it still isn't budget because it's not about the money. Right. It's it's not about the rent. 
Um, and you could, it, it's about, and it's not really about sovereign rights either, because it's a mix of people out there. But of course, sovereign rights is the, uh, what people are yelling and screaming. So Elizabeth Warren, you know, she tweets, uh, Mauna Kea is sacred to Native Hawaiians, Native Hawaiian people. The Hawaiians who have been protesting construction of the 30 meter telescope are trying to protect a sacred site from further desecration. I stand in solidarity with them. Dwayne The Rock Johnson is up there, you know, doing the head thing. Um, the cert, you know, he's in support of it. Um, Leonardo DiCaprio, DiCaprio, you know, posts a an image on on Instagram and Facebook showing his solidarity with the with the movement. Mm-hmm. And, Aquaman, uh, Aquaman was there, I think. And Aquaman was there too. Yeah. It's, um, so this is a, you know, you think of Leo and uh, and and Elizabeth Warren. How many millions of followers do they have that these things were exposed to on, on public on, on the media? So the this is it's not really it's not strictly about it's not the money. I don't believe it's about the money. And there there is a native sovereignty movement involved in this, mm-hmm. but this really goes down deep to the core of what we believe within us. And then early in the program, you had said that um, you, when you see the mountain um, and you see that snow cap peak, peak, you're drawn to it. Why do we climb mountains when there's no tangible reward? Yeah. I, I was thinking, I was talking to someone about this the other day. We were hiking through the woods and, and um, I'm a big believer that we are at the best time in the world, in the history of the universe for a civilization. I don't know about other civilizations and other planets, but I was thinking about this, Bernie. I was th- walking through the woods, and I'm like, just th- 400 years ago, people would be walking through this very trail in order to survive. They would be trying to find some animal that they could murder and eat and feed their family. And here I'm doing it for fun. Like, this is my fun. I'm climbing it because I think it's enjoyable. And then... You know, I'm trying to think, like, is this more deeply rooted? And I try to go through my thoughts. And and um, what I've come to, what I've come to about why this is important for me, maybe it's important for other people too, um, is that climbing mountains, for me, is it, 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 it's very symbolic of, of my entire life, is that I have some goals in life, right? But, but they're very ambiguous. Like saying something like, I want to have the best, I want to have the best podcast in the world. What does that mean? It doesn't mean anything. It's hard for, to put some meaning to that. You know, it's hard to put like a, a, a quantitative or qualitative meaning to what the best is. So the goals that, that we tend to set for ourselves are like really ambiguous. They're out there. They, they, they're vague. They don't necessarily have some finality, some end game, but climbing a mountain does. It's a goal. The goal is to get to the top of the, to get as far as you can go off the ground with your feet climbing up the mountain. And so you climb up the mountain and you get to the top and all along the way, you know that you know what your goal is and you know clearly how to get to it. You know that your goal is to get to the top and you know the steps you have to take or whatever obstacle gets in your way, you get over it and you get to the top. And that's very symbolic for me of the, of, of human experience and human existence is that that's what we're all doing. We all have some goals, some end game, some thing we want to achieve, something we're passionate about. We can see it in the distance, but the different the difference between mountains and life is that in life it's hard to put your finger on it and it's hard to understand the path to get there. Okay? But mountains, I think for me, teach me that it, maybe it's not so ambiguous ambiguous after all. And that the solution literally is to keep walking towards the goal, get over all the obstacles along the way, and maybe you'll eventually find yourself at the peak. And that's, for me, what makes mountains so damn awesome, so sacred to hiking. That's why I'm drawn to hiking. Um, now, I don't know if that relates to the work you've done, the research you've done into why ancient cultures, indigenous peoples regard mountains as sacred. So so enlighten me. Well, you just stepped into a, bo- a big pile of woo. Okay. Big pile of woo. Woo, woo, yeah. Okay. And uh, – and we can trace back that woo-woo to Carl Jung, now the Swiss psychoanalyst who I wrote about extensively in my book before Ryan. Mm-hmm. And Jung analyzed the dreams of people, thousands of people. And he found the two most common non-organic um, symbols in dreams were the river of transformation or body of water mm-hmm. and the cosmic mountain and the mountain. Okay. So most people, when they dream a landscape 
there's a river and a cosmic mountain. Mm-hmm. It's a thing. And when you were a kid in school, when you draw, you drew a landscape, did you draw the desert, a flat desert, or did you draw a river with a mountain in the back? I didn't draw shit. I'm a oh, terrible okay. artist. You know what I drew? I drew the sun up in the little corner. Okay. Just the sun up in the little corner. But but um, yeah. Go through, you go through art gallery, you see all the all these right. these, uh, these images. And Billy Joel had a um, song called "The River of Dreams," and he wakes up in the middle of the night. And he, he walks in his sleep and he walks to the river that he can't cross, which is, of course, this is, he's afraid to cross. It's too deep because mm-hmm. he's afraid to see what's on the other side. And he talks about the, the mountain, the same song talks about the mountains of faith. And Billy Joe, he, he wakes up in the morning with this song in his head. He goes in the shower and he's trying to wash it away, but he can't. It's just banging away. And Billy Joe, he writes down the words and um, it becomes a big hit. And he didn't want to sing it because she says, I'm not a spiritual person. I mean, this isn't me. You know, I'm the I'm the back one of the Backstreet Boys. And so he um, he he ultimately did sing it. He did sing the spiritual song. And years later, in an interview, someone asked him, what does the song mean? He's, and he said, well, you know, I really don't know. Mm-hmm. And so he obviously didn't have Jungian psychology. He said, you know, Billy, it's about the, the water transformation and the cosmic mountain. So we carry this in our in our dreams, just as Billy Joel found, and he he um, sung to us in his song. But this is a this is a phenomenon of people around the world. So this doesn't you know just you know guys like us in the United States or Billy Joel. You know, we're all, all three of us on the East Coast, right? Um, it's not just a, an East Coast thing, but it's people around the world going distant point in time. In Palette of Cave Art. One of the common images or the, is of these cosmic mountains. And it's the tallest mountain within, you know, hundreds of miles of where these Paleolithic artists are. And so it's, it is the mountain that the, the shaman or the hero climbs on their journey to reach the sky. And so when we, I, I believe that the diff, the difference between the spiritual person and the astronomer who wants the telescope on the mountain is only technology. I believe that our quest for science in deep space is really spiritual. So what you I mean? So what? For here's one. Here's here's an example. Um, one of the things that they've said: why why do we want to go to the? Um, one of the pictures to have the TMT is to find another Earth around another star. Mm-hmm. Okay, sounds interesting, right? But let's look at the science of that. The nearest uh, nearest solar solar system is Proxima Centauri, 4.24 light years away. Um, based on the current technology, it would take 81,000 years, human years, to get there. Yep. Um, and that's two 2,700 human generations. Mm-hmm. So that's the close one, right? <laughs> okay. Right. Exactly. And TMT isn't looking for the close ones. So are we really looking? Are we really looking to deep space? To find, you know, Plan B Earth. No, no, it ain't, it ain't gonna happen. It doesn't happen. But that, but that's what we say. Um, but I believe the truth of the matter is that the deeper you go into so- any science, you start to find um, big questions because that's mm-hmm. what it's all about. Um, yeah. And those big, and those big questions have some act of faith to pursue. You know, in you know, in astrophysics, yes. there are multiple multiple concepts of how the universe. Was came created whatever the story is. You know, there's this big bang. There's a multiverse. There's this balloon deflates in and out. There's some combination of the three. They all can't be correct. Right. Okay. That's an important concept for science. They all can't be correct. Therefore, there's there's some huge leap of faith, major assumptions, or you need a few miracles to get there. Yeah, I was talking to Brian Keating about this idea of the big questions and mm-hmm. um, the. We, we all seem to have some question that we deem to be the, the big question, the most important. For him, and we talked about this in last week's episode, um, go listen to it if you haven't, and enter for a chance to win those books sitting over there on my left if you're watching the video. Um, we talked about this. The big question for him is how did the universe begin? What, what predated it? And I think that we discovered through that conversation I had with him that that might be deeply rooted in his infatuation with uh, religion. As, as an early, you know, adolescent, he was infatuated with this idea of religion. He was flip-flopping between atheism and Catholicism and Judaism. And, and uh, in some regards, you know, he's still 
pondering those three things every day. Um, we all have our big questions born out of something, but but they they are all symbolic of of climbing the mountain, right? In this in his, in his case, the mountain is knowledge. He's trying to climb it through scientific exploration. Um, other people are trying to climb it through spiritualism. I hundred percent agree with you, and that's what so this is interesting. So let if we go back into the the Polynesian history, um, they used astronomy to navigate astronomy the the wind. Um, the clouds and birds to navigate across the Pacific Ocean to the Hawaiian Islands. That's a long. That's a long way. Right. You know, it's about. You know, I'm here for Oregon to, to Hawaii. It's about half of the way, and it takes us six six seven hours by airplane. And think about this by an outrigger canoe. Um, and so they they were huge astronomers, and they did arrive at the islands. And when they arrived at the islands, they founded their myth their myths were sprung forth from the, the, the natural, the geology. And in their major myths of the, let's say, they don't have like gods per se, they're like superhumans. It's like Maui, for example, is a superhuman. You can say demigod, he's really superhuman. And their myths are about fire and rain, okay? And so it's the fire that comes from the mountain. And it's the rain that that um, fights the fire with the snow to to diminish the, the lava flows. Mm-hmm. And so the, in their in their myths, the lava flows didn't naturally cool, but it was rather the, the snow or the rain that cooled them off. And so their their myths are living on the mountains. In fact, those two mountains, Mauna Kea and Haleakala, and that that is their cosmos. And when they stand at the top of Mauna Kea in the morning and they see that sunrise, that that is an explanation for their world. Mm-hmm. But for the the TMT uh, astrophysicists, uh, scientists, um, who I have deep respect for, right? You know, you know the story. Okay, I'm, this, they're they're still searching. Yes, they're searching in the cosmos from the top of that same sacred mountain, that same cosmic mountain, to find out who they are and where they come from. They're still f- trying to find their origin myth, whereas the, the native Hawaiians, they already know what their myth is. And right. they're happy with that mm-hmm. myth. And what's happening, this whole thing, is not about, I don't think, I don't see this as science or spirituality or science or sovereignty and all these sort of things. I see this as, as the scientific community not saying, you know, we're on a spiritual quest. Okay, I mean, how many people you know will say that, right? Mm-hmm. Um, because they are on a spiritual quest. Because all these things that we're going to go to, we're going to find Earth B um, through the TMT, it ain't going to happen. Um, you know, maybe in Star Trek with, you know, warp drives and stargates and all this sort of stuff, but it ain't going to happen in the real world. Right. And, and so it's a, um, but there is a search. There's a search to find out who we are. And of course you had Brian Keating on who's looking through the inflation of this big bang. And was there a creation and which, which coincides in some way with a biblical creation because, mm-hmm. um, his background. And I deeply respect Brian and the, the three books you have behind you that are open for your guests to get through some sort of a raffle. Um, and so the the concept is there is this two sides, the scientists and the Native Hawaiians are speaking subconsciously the same thing, but the right. words are coming out in two different directions. Exactly. And, um, you know, you watch that video, that 12 minute video. I believe it was posted on uh, Aquaman's YouTube. What the hell's his name? Jason, <laughs> some Jason Momoa, yeah. maybe is that it? Uh-huh. Yeah. Posted on his YouTube channel. It's it's an excellent video um, because it, it 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 drives home this point that you're making, which is that this isn't about science versus spirituality. But you know, from sci- scientists do this thing that and and it's happened more lately in the climate debate that I, that I really really wholeheartedly disagree with. And it's this this way in which they try to boil down an argument into saying that one side is anti-science. And I think that some people, and certainly not all of them, because I, most physicists or astrophysicists I talk about are, are pretty in tune with the idea that this is a spiritual place and this is – they are the rightful peoples and and that they should, should have to agree to the building of, of the 30-meter telescope – but some of them want to turn this into a science versus spirituality debate. And they will use the 
Hawaiian people's spirituality against them and claim that they are anti-science. You see this in the climate science community all the time where um, people pretend that the climate change problem is easy and we can change it overnight when they ignore the very real economic impacts of, you know, stop using fossil fuels tomorrow. Um, because that is a very real economic impact. And, and some might even say economics is, in, in a way, a social science and thus has some scientific credibility and thus you should listen to it. And so by listening to economics, maybe you're not anti-science. Maybe you are, in fact, pro-science. But some people would say, no, 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 you're anti-science because you're ignoring the climate problem. And then you have to explain, no, no, I'm not ignoring the climate problem. I just understand that this is more deeply rooted than you are taking it to be. And so scientists do this a lot, I notice. And not just scientists, anyone in any field, um, left, right, uh, political uh, ideologies, all of it. Everyone always wants to, to make it binary, to say, I am pro this thing and you are anti this thing and eliminate all the nuance. And I see a lot of that happening in this debate and, and tons of other debates. But in this debate, I see that happening with this whole science versus spirituality thing. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And you have to realize that there's many Native American Hawaiians who work at the observatories mm -hmm. and they know how they've heard the Alpha Centauri start. Okay. Yes. And they've heard the different versions of the, of the, the creation of how the universe came to be or was or is expanding, not expanding. I mean, they've heard all the different stuff. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, they weigh that and they say, you know, that's all good stuff and science is wonderful. And, and um, it's in many ways, it's carrying us forward um, in health and welfare. What they're also saying is that this is our mountain. Yes. Why are we giving up our cosmic mountain for somebody else's spiritual quest that they can't even recognize themselves? That they can't do it. And they and this concept of science, this is a science verse thing, and or bringing the courts to support the science and um, all that sort of stuff. But you know, pick your science. Is psychology a science? That's a question for you, Brendan. Mm -hmm. Is psychology a science? Is psychology a science? Mm, that's a tricky one because of the way that psychology has has oriented itself in today's academic culture. But I would say in general, in general, psychology can be – psychology can be – this is such a slippery slope, Bernie – can be a predictive science, can be. Is it used that way in academia today? Mm, not really. It's, it's, it's psychology is a mess, if you ask me. Most social sciences, in fact, <laughs> have become an utter mess in ac in the, in the academic culture. But the mere study of human psychology can be used as a predictive tool if the people practicing it are a completely unbiased party and they're willing to do, um, you know, psychoanalysis. They're willing to do that. Well, psychoanalysis is complete is, is on the woo woo. So yes. experimental psychology, and by the way, I'm I'm in, I'm I, on the side of the woo woo. But this experimental psychology is what could be, be, be predictive, right? Yes, and that's bordering on neuroscience. Right. You know, that's that's sort of getting into a hard science. Okay. Um, yeah. Okay. So now the so the so let's say that um, if the predominant non organic stuff symbols that people have in dreams around the world are mountains and bodies of water. Mm -hmm. That's obviously predictive, isn't it? The answer is yes. Yeah, it, yeah, it is. Yeah. It's, it's, um, in fact, you get, it's actually groups of animals too that you can actually find around the world too. And as found through the work of Young. And uh, so back to this concept of if everybody around the world, uh, not everybody, it really is everybody, mm -hmm. are, are having these fundamentally same dreams. We're having the, these visions that we then project into our world that, that we then climb these mountains or, or uh, to reach the stars on top of them. Then shouldn't everybody, everybody, because it, it is psychology and it, it's, it's an established thing and you can't really walk away from the cosmic mountain and the river of transformation. Um, if that should be just as established science as the willingness to spend $1.4 billion on the telescope to find Earth B. Um, and so the, the question is, I don't think this, this has been pitched for, you know, the astronomical sciences versus the spirituality. But I believe that the spirituality is actually grounded in psychology. And it's most clearly expressed through Jungian psychology, where he just explores these, these topics.
I, I was on the airplane. It was like 20 years ago. And I'll never forget this. There's this guy, this shamanic guy in, next to me. And I had no idea of any of this stuff at the time. And he was telling me this story that the shamans around the world were all having the same dreams of these cosmic mountains. And they were trying to figure out where the original cosmic mountain was. And so they're drawing maps of their dreams. And I never, I, I Googled this a few times. I could never find if anybody ever did make a, make a map. But I don't believe there is, a, there is a map to this original cosmic mountain, but rather that it's, it's in us and who we are. Yeah, I, 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 yeah, I can, that's where my, that's where my woo-woo filter goes off. <laughs> these there's shamans that are somehow you know can can communicate or or having similar dreams and and ideologies and they can somehow communicate and make a map and triangle it sounds like a nicholas cage movie but the idea that human the 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 human um psychology being that we are all from a common ancestor it somehow has it has it bored deep in that we have this infatuation with with natural scenery whether it be mm-hmm. mountains, rivers, lakes, oceans, etc., which, as we talked about in our last session, you know, people have an infatuation with oceans too. We talked about that. Sure. Um, that you know, that is that is so that is less. I'll bo- I'll boil that down to the scientific minded me and try to get away from the the idea that these shamanists can communicate. The problem is I've seen too many shamans who are bullshit, and they exactly. ruin it for, they ruin it for the other ones, right? Like maybe if I had a shaman and I did, you know, like a psychedelic mushrooms or something with them and they talked to me and showed me their spiritualism, um, then I could, I could get a, it's almost like shamanists are, or shamans are, are realistically just people who are allowed to think for a long time. Mm-hmm. That's what I picture a shaman to be. It's like people who have the freedom to think a lot more than other people. They mm-hmm. can sit there in some serene location and think mm-hmm. and come up with ways to understand the human, uh, the human experience. Exactly. Yeah. And articulate well, psychology, it's psychology, yeah. it's psychology in many other words, many words. Yes. So, so the, if we go to how we need to resolve this TMT issue today's podcast, we're going to resolve gonna do, it. We're going to resolve it. We're okay. going to resolve it. Okay. And so there was a document that was put out, I think it was just yesterday, the heart of Aloha, a way forward Mauna Kea. It was put out by the, the governor of the, the big island county. Okay. And everybody's got a pledge at the end of this one. So the governor's got a pledge. He's going to restructure management. The University of Hawaii is going to do a bunch of things. They're going to build a culture, cultural facility. That's good, right? Um, and they're going to name, start, start naming more stars and um, objects after native Hawaiian, using Hawaiian words. Um, they're going to um, do all good stuff, right? The county is going to come up with some some housing options. They're going to, um, I mean, everybody's everybody's got their thing. But what nobody does is actually say, and and, and this is all about moving forwards. Mm-hmm. The director of the Mauna Kea Observatories, they're going to continue doing their good work, which is very good work. And um, so, so this is this is what I think. I think this goes down to the University of Hawaii and the TMT International Observatory. Because those are the, key, the two, everybody else is on board with the spirituality that this is our cosmic mountain. Mm-hmm. And it needs to be respected. I believe, I truly believe, that if the president of the University of Hawaii and the executive director of the TMT International Observatory wrote a letter, and they said that we're, we, we respect that you have found your cosmos, um, and we're not see- we're 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 now not seeking to change your cosmic view, um, and that you have um, your people have successfully navigated to this place, you know, a long time ago, mm-hmm. with um, incredible astronomical precision 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 that we did not have in Europe at the time. Um, otherwise, we would have been to Hawaii first, right? Mm-hmm. Hawaii Islands first. We would have circumnavigated the globe, you know, a thousand years ago. And, uh, and you know, put it out there that, you know, your astronomy has historically been more advanced than ours. And that uh, your astronomy is how you have navigated the cosmos itself. 
because uh, their world is a cosmos and that the, the earth, the, the stars and the earth become one. And that's how you make the connection between the two to navigate as a concept. And we, we are still seeking um, our place in the cosmos. And we recognize that we are also on a spiritual journey. Here are the key words. We are also on a spiritual journey. Because that what that is doing is saying to this the, the so-called anti the, the Hawaiian movement, the, the anti-TMT movement, is that we respect your religion. We respect your, it's your spirituality. It's not really religion. And we respect where you come from. And that we haven't reached that place yet. We're still on our journey. Mm-hmm. And I believe that if the president of the University of Hawaii and the executive director of the TMT International Observatory, who are named in this document, but of course we're not going to name, um, if they put that out there, it would change everything. It's I, not about what the courts say. It's not about how much money we're, they're going to spend or not spend. It's not how many kids they're going to go through these, these STEM programs, which are absolutely fabulous. There's nothing to take away from that. Um, it's not about how many visitors they're going to allow on top of the mountain. It's not how, you know, what, what, what will the, the, the um, colors look like in the cultural center. Um, and it's not about the, the, the native sovereignty movement, the regents. Um, it, it's, it's just saying we, too, are on this spiritual journey to find our place in the cosmos. Yes. A hundred percent. So would, could you, would you hypothetically, if you were in the university of Hawaii system, would you, could you take that to your, the president of your university? Yes. And, and, you know, here's something um, that I noticed. I noticed it the other day, but maybe I didn't notice enough. And I'm thinking about it now. Is that when I watch these videos of, of the protests, what I see, here's what, here's what you see. Okay. For people, if you don't want to watch it, let me summarize it for you. The native Hawaiians are there. They're protesting. They're standing in the road. There's only one access road to the top of this, uh, of Mauna Kea where you actually need to truck up the materials to build the, the TMT. And they're, they're protesting. They're standing in the road. They're, they're preventing any, anything from going up there, um, peacefully. Peace. They're doing it peacefully. Um, and here's what I don't see. What I don't see is conversation. What I don't see, what I do see is, is police officers carrying off natives and, and trucking them away. What I don't see is astronomers who are trying to address their own questions about the universe coming up and saying, let's talk about this. Let's mm-hmm. discuss this. And that, and, and in essence, that captures exactly what you're saying is you're saying that, you know, from the, the scientific mindset needs to come and say, listen, we understand where you're coming from. Now here's where we're coming from. Let's start a dialogue. And in fact, most think most problems in the world could be solved like that, Bernie. Most problems in the world. Yes. And so so you would potentially take this to your the, the president of university. Would you take it to so the the executive director of the TMT would be your equivalent at NASA who gives out the grants. Sure. Yeah. Okay. So would you take it to that person? I would say we need to start talking to the Hawaiians. That's what I would say. Yeah. I would say we need to start talking to them because mm-hmm. that's where the pro- that's where the solution the solution doesn't lie in the Supreme Court. Get out of here with that shit because <laughs> exactly. that, that that doesn't no, no one's happy at that. No one, because then you feel, then you add a third party, the state, which is, oh, the state has to upset one of you. It's either going to upset the native Hawaiians or upset the astronomers. And it's getting us further away from resolution because, because it's driving the two sides apart by driving a wedge in between them. I would say, listen, the solution to this problem, this thing was, you know, greenlit in 2009. Bernie, as crazy as it sounds, we're in 2019. It's been a decade. It hasn't started yet, okay? It's been shut down. It's been greenlit again. It's been shut down again. It's been greenlit again. On and on and on and down the cyclical road we go. And yet no one's talking. That's the yeah. crazy part to me. So yeah, I wouldn't I, I wouldn't necessarily go and say, hey man, we got to consider spirituality. I would say, hey, we need to understand the Hawaiians. We need to understand the native Hawaiians. We need to understand where they're coming from. We need to understand why they're saying the things they're saying. We need to understand how to address those things. Mm-hmm. 
in a way that we show them respect because this is their land. I mean, this is their thing. You know, imagine if, if we went on the University of Hawaii, on the campus of the University of Hawaii, and we said, okay, I, I don't know if the, if the native Hawaiians use any, um, any building of worship, like a church, but it, it'd be the equivalent of going there and saying, listen, we got to build a church right here. We need a church right here. So we need to tear down the science building. I know that you guys love the science building, but we got to tear down the science building because we need to build a church here. That is, that, that's a very good, it's a great analogy. And um, so I, yeah, so it's about listening, it's talking, and of course, listening. And the, the situation right now is sort of like a bad divorce when only the lawyers are, you know, yelling at each mm-hmm. other and billing along the way. Um, but they're, and so the, the latest was this path, this, uh, the heart of, Aqua, of Aloha, a way forward, given Mauna Kea, given by the governor, and, um, or uh, the county, the county guy. And so, yeah, it's it changes the way you think about things. And, you know, I, I go back to how I came across this was through this Pale of the Cave images. And the earliest images that we have of Pale of the Cave are, are, are um, about 36,000 years ago in Europe. That They're of cosmic mountains. They're the two big mountains. And so this concept that Jung had that it's in our dreams, it goes back to such a distant time. And just as the, the people didn't want to have mountain biking up on Mount Hood, um, and they lost, by the way, through the court system, um, they're still ticked off. Um, and just as the Japanese are never going to let an observatory happen up on Mount Fuji, um, and the Canadians, who are also signatories to the project, weren't, weren't going to have it on their major mountains either, um, everybody's got to realize that Every, we have to respect every other's everybody's cosmic mountain, which is in essence really saying we have to respect everybody's spirituality, um, even if we don't believe, even if it doesn't mix with our what we believe to be science um, and our individual preconceptions, whether that, those be astrophysics or chemistry, biology um, or um, psychology. Because this is all psychological base. These people aren't making this stuff up. And you, you can look at the protests there. You know, these, these, these very older people, elderly people, and they, they put their arms into these like PVC pipes and then they, they kind of chain, chain their arms into it. I'm not exactly, actually they chain their arms through the pipes. And, uh, so they have to be cut the arms that they have, their pipes have to be slowly cut off and they have to be mm-hmm. carried off. And, and if you, if you put these people into jail and these elderly people, they're going to be replaced by generations to come by their, yes. their grandchildren. Um, and so I think that the, I believe that the resolution to this whole thing is the dialogue, but the scientists have to give up. They have to give up and say, science comes first for the betterment of humanity. And sure as heck, we're not going to find Earth B through the TMT. We're going to do some really great work and it's fabulous. And if, if you, if you could, if you, tapped into that through your system going forwards and your um, academic experience. Um, I mean, it'd be wonderful, right? I mean, if, if you can get, you know, 20 hours a week on that one, you'd be in heaven, literally in heaven. Um, but we, we have to move forward in such a way that to have that dialogue going. And so what, so here's a question for you, Brendan. Um, is this the perspective you would have, as we end this, is this the perspective you had when you started um, I, as with any conversation, right, it, it helps you illuminate some ideas you had, right? And so one of the things that, that hadn't occurred to me, because I just hadn't thought about it, it's not like it was deeply hidden, right? It's on the surface. And this actually might be why other people aren't thinking about it too, is that it's, it's hidden in plain sight, is that there needs to be conversation. There needs to be understanding, that the, the spirituality for the native Hawaiians is their path to understanding the world. The science for us scientists is our path to understanding the world. And rather than trampling on one another, we need to talk about it and say, hey, I understand this is how you experience the world. This is how we experience the world. Can we come together and experience the world together? Is there something we can do? Or the other solution is build it elsewhere. That's it. <laughs> um, that's the other solution. And that's a well, simple you know- solution. Well, the Canary Islands one is going to work for um, 
partly because the environmentalist groups don't want it there. The other right. part is that it's it's not high enough, so it's the equivalent of putting like a Lamborghini in a twenty mile twenty mile per hour speed zone. You just don't get yes. what you bought the Lamborghini it is, for. It, you will lose out on a lot of altitude, um, so, yeah. seventeen hundred meters, in fact, which is a big deal, and will and will lower the TMT below the European version of the um, extremely large telescope, and it will make it not obsolete, but but you know a lesser version of its European counterpart. Exactly. So this is either it's either Mauna Kea or and the funders have said that they're not going to take it to La Palma in the Canary Islands. They're not going to back it there. And so this is really Mauna Kea robust. Yes. Um, and we could be watching, you know, more actors stepping up and, um, you know, Elizabeth Warren, you know, she's she's probably for the Democrats, you know, she's got a high probability of becoming a the president. Um, and you know, the, the current way doesn't work. Yeah. So our, well, Joe so, Biden and Bernie Sanders might not make it. They yeah, might not make it to vote, voting time. Yeah, Jeez, at, I, at the rate uh, they're going. You know, everybody needs to, you know, shout out to, to Bernie Sanders. Um, yes. Here's a course. funny, well, we can end this one on a funny one. Is When I gave a presentation at Ifa Maui a few months ago, I was, the, it was about Ari Lone and the Cosmos. And people have been asking, you know, Bernie Sanders, if you become president, are you going to, you know, you're going to tell us if they're aliens. It's one of those things. Mm -hmm. And Bernie Sanders vows that he, I will tell you there's aliens if I'm president. Right. Um, And so the, it must've been going on the back of the, the sponsors, the introducers head because he introduced me as Bernie Sanders. Who's going to tell (laughs) us if there's intelligent life in the cosmos. Mm. And, um, and then he he continued on and and he realized, Oh my God. And the audience, Oh my, you know, but it was it was out there on YouTube for you know a few weeks until they they edited it. But yes, um, Bernie Sanders had um, um, had had made the statement, but it's now off the internet. Yes. Well, it was good talking to you, uh, Senator Bernie Sanders. Um, <laughs> and and, uh, and I I think we solved the issue. The issue is communicate communication. The the solution is talk. Come to co- find common ground. That's the solution to everything, though, isn't it? It's so apparent, and yet we ignore it. Um, yeah, but no, no, no. You, you. Th- this conversation was enlightening because I, I do get stuck in the science bubble sometimes, and I don't think about the spirituality bubble, and I don't realize the fact that we're trying to achieve the same thing through a different means. One person by looking outward, the other by looking inward, and and the way around that is to talk. So. I appreciate you being here, Bernie. If there's anything you want to shout out, tell people where they can find you. Oh, absolutely. So my um, my webpage is foreorion.com, and I do a lot of work on this um, the cosmic mountain and uh, a lot of astronomy, um, cosmic egg. And there's lots of videos, range from two minutes to an hour. And I'm across all the social media pr- platforms using Before Orion. Uh, you're welcome to follow me and s- send a shout out. And it's a third time on the State of the Universe. And it's been absolutely fabulous. And maybe Brendan will have me on in another six months. Of course. Let's do it. (laughs) Thanks for tuning in to the show. Appreciate you for tuning into the show. Love you guys. Hope you enjoyed it. Let me know if you did. Check it out. Down in the comment section. Tell me what you think. Do you hate it? Do you love it? What's the resolution? How do we fix it? How do we fix the problem? Check us out on YouTube. Go to thestateofuniverse.com. Follow on Twitter, Instagram. Rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts. Just do it, man. And we're going to ease out. We're going to ease out with a little Native Hawaiian song. A little Native Hawaiian song.
Ka kawa 